Mediums are privy to a sense of love that's transformative and healing, a love that passes between and connects both sides. And in this special five-part series, we're going to explore the art and process of mediumship and all of the incredible stories along the way. Welcome to I Talk to Dead People on Inside the Wooniverse. Hi there, and welcome to Inside the Wooniverse. I'm your host, Colette Baron-Reed. Welcome to another episode of our limited edition podcast series called I Talk to Dead People. Joining us today is one of the most highly respected psychic mediums that I know, John Holland. John is a spiritual teacher, author, and founder of My Soul Community, has starred in numerous TV shows and documentaries, and is the author of six books, four oracle card decks, mobile apps, and much more. He spent the last 20 years continually training and honing his gifts, which have made him one of the most sought after professional mediums on the world stage. I've had the great pleasure of working with John often. So I can tell you he is literally one of the best in the world. So welcome, John. Oh my God, am I really in the universe with you? My yes, God, you yeah. <laughs> I'm on it, I'm on it, I'm on it. Hello, Colette, hello everyone. <laughs> Hi. Yes, I'm so excited because, you know, what we get to do today is that I get to introduce you to everybody and from when you began. I mean, you've got one of the best stories and I'm so excited to listen to you. So I want to go back in time together. And uh, because you, what, your first book, I think it was called Born Knowing. Right. So in 2003 with Hay House, man. Hey, I know. <laughs> I know. I met you two years later. I remember that right. you were, you like took me under your wing. I was like uh, the new like kid in town. Like a little bird. Like a little bird. <laughs> peck, peck, peck. Um, anyway, so uh, I want to go back to your childhood. I want to go back to the moments where you knew like, ooh, I can see dead people or I could see different things. I had mm -hmm. this experience. Let's go there. Um, well, I always start off from New England, really. Irish, Italian, Catholic family, brought up Catholic. And I'm one of five kids. And I think, Colette, a lot of people who have this potential or this ability, you see it in your childhood. You really, really do. And I was always the different one in the family. I'm one of three boys and I have two sisters. And while my brothers were out playing baseball or football or playing in the streets, stickball, whatever with the other kids, I was always indoors either drawing, yeah. um, reading. Reading was, I was a huge reader as a child. Anything that had to do with philosophy, religion, magic, <laughs> spiritual subjects. Now we're talking like 10 years old now. So my, as much as my dad tried to push me outside with the boys, I was more happy in my own little world and that's when I knew I was a little different. I used to see people walking through my bedroom at night. And a lot of people say, Colette, weren't you frightened? I can't be frightened of something that was always there as a small child. I would see right. people walking through my room and I thought I was dreaming. So I knew things that I couldn't <laughs> possibly know when the phone was going to ring, who was going to surprise my parents with a visit. So it was always there. And like society right now, I was bullied. I was called freak, mm. weirdo, something's wrong with you. So I was not only, because you say, let's get personal, and I will. Not only was I the different one out of the family and the street, I was very skinny, chicken legs, a patch on my eye, glasses, <laughs> big ears. 
So I was quite a sight to look at and quite a sight <laughs> to uh, to listen to. So it was always there, but it was uh, when you're bullied, you learn to hide things. So I mm-hmm. I didn't really tell too many people about it. I just hid it. Remember, I'm only a child, and the word psychic really wasn't around. Except I did have an aunt who was always my aunt Shirley, who's passed away. She was always into dreams. She would actually win lottery numbers through her dreams. I don't have that ability, yeah. uh, but she would really win. And, but she would read dream books, and I was fascinated when I went into my grandmother's home where she lived, there was a sense of spirit in the room, in that house. There really, really was. And she had all these dreams books. So that was my only connection to the other side. And I don't know about you, Colette. Does anybody have this in your family, Colette? My grandmother was always, she knew things. The word psychic wasn't- My dad. Right. My dad, for real. My dad would go into a trance. I mean, it would like, my father was, yeah. I mean, I totally, totally inherited this. So I don't know if it's, maybe it is inherited. Maybe it's in the genes or your soul blueprint. I'm not sure, but that's what it was like as a child. And still, I still studied everything I can that was out there. And it's funny enough, my mom would wake me up at night. If there was any religious movies on, like The Ten Commandments, The Song of Bernadette, The Lady of Fatima, she always woke me up to watch these movies with her. Why? Right? So, yeah, so I knew she, she knew there was some type of connection. And my mom said once before she passed away, she said, you know, Johnny, Growing up, I loved all you kids, but there was something different about you, something. So Mm -hmm. it was always there, Colette, even as a child. And I pushed it away right up until, uh, you know, until I was a young adult. But it was always there. Yeah. So have you ever had an experience? Well, I I know the answer to this, but you had an experience where you literally, you know, it changed your life, something that happened that brought this to you in a way that you couldn't deny. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I know what you're talking about, the accident, but even as a kid, two things happened that I'll never forget. I was climbing a tree like a little boy, right? One time I was outside and it was two (laughs) stories high and I wanted to go on a warehouse, a tire warehouse's roof. You know how kids are, boys, there's no thinking. So I climbed this tree and it was two stories up and I went for the branch and it snapped and I fell all the way down. I swear I didn't hurt myself. I know kids bounce when they're young, but I had the branch in my hand and I just giggled and walked away. I think I was carried down, Colette, mm. to the earth, almost as in slow motion. I don't remember falling. I was just on my butt holding the stick. And another time I was running into a neighbor's doorway. We had three deckers then uh, where I lived. And there's an open door and a hallway with the stairs. And I was going up to see this uh, friend of mine named Diane. I had to be like 11 and I'm full speed as a kid. And I went into the hallway and I hit an invisible wall <gasps> and it knocked me back on my butt. And I didn't know, was somebody coming out? A spirit, a guide or a guardian angel stopping me from running in. But it was the way to state. And I even, and now people can't see that if because if this is a podcast audio, but I reached out to make sure that there was nothing in that hallway doorway before I walked in. Two freaky things there. And then, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I hid the ability for many mm-hmm. years. My teenage friends knew what I could do. And it was just like, John, do your thing that you do, whether it was prediction or tell them about someone. And then I was in an automobile accident, Colette, that awoke the abilities. It wasn't the accident that made it happen. The accident, we all get wake-up calls, everyone. Right. That I was living in Los Angeles. Just think about it. L.A., young man, young life, going out, partying, in a relationship I, I was in way too long that I should have got out of it a long time ago. But it was a wake-up call. And I think your soul gives you opportunities, dreams, yeah. intuition, uh, synchronistic events. I had a wake-up call. And when I had that accident, I could have died. That's when I just looked up and I said to God, the universe, thank you. And when I got my life together, Colette, we've all, I know you've had a traumatic experience. And after yep. that experience, we got our life together. And I think yep. we got aligned. And that's when everything started happening. The, it came in so strong. And I wanted to train 
why is this happening to me? Because I'm a big advocate of the mechanics of how this ability works. Which I love about you because I'm a completely untrained medium. As a matter of fact, when I had my TV show, you were the one that I called. I'm like, what do I do with them? There's too many of them. You go, you can park them, put them in the parking lot. Park the link. I'll never forget that. Park the link. I'm like, ooh. So I actually learned a lot from you because I didn't know anything about the mechanics of it. So, um, So you started work as a psychic medium. And did you have any... I don't know, issues around calling yourself that or owning it? Or was it after the accident, you just go full tilt? Well, when the accident happened, I studied even more psychic ability. I had no problem being psychic. How do I shut it off? Because right. I, I wanted to know how was this happening? That's when I got into energy, aura, chakras, meditation, breath. And this is in my early 30s. So I, I didn't see people right away. I, I studied and studied, and then, of course, you'd love this. I picked up my first Oracle deck, my first, the white, uh, <laughs> the Aquarian deck, and I started right? reading the cards. Deck. Yeah. Yeah. I had that deck. That was one of my first ones. Yeah, and I read the book, highlighted, and I started doing, and I still didn't see people. Then a friend uh, who owns an aromatherapy shop in L.A. said, why don't you do readings here? And I'm like, oh, God, no. No, 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 no. I don't. Nervous, call it. People's lives are in your hand. What if I'm wrong? What if I'm not doing it right? Slowly, I started doing readings, but I kept my day job, all right, for nine years before I went full time. What was and your I day started- job? I, and what wasn't my day job? I worked for I worked for an aeronautics company. I was a bartender. I worked in a temp office. I was even the Cadbury Rabbit once for Easter. So and for the temp agency, I swear, where are the, you were the I was, Cadbury Rabbit. I was a Cadbury Rabbit. Kids sat on my lap and they said, "John, you're the only one that we could think of that would do this." And I and I did it. It was good money, so I did it. Well, that's something you never heard before. But I was a Cadbury no. Rabbit at a store, yeah, for a while, and. Um, that's when I started reading cards, and the cards were telling me things that weren't in the book, Colette. You know, right? They, they, uh, right? They not same. You know, yes, yeah. it's not psychic in the book. Tar- Absolutely, yes. and that's how I came up with psychic tarot. But two years into doing uh, psychic work, because there's a difference, everyone. There's mediumship, yeah. and then there's psychic work. Right? Very so, different. Exactly. When I look at Colette. I'm reading her energy, her aura, her past, her present, her potential future. Mediumship is different. I am not connecting to Colette. She is the bridge, but I'm connecting to the other side. So mediums, yeah, psychics perceive, mediums receive. Every medium is psychic, but not every psychic is a medium. Well, that I'm going to say something about that too, because I I 100% agree with you. But I do think that the psychic is not just about perceiving because you you still receive information, right? But I get it, what you're saying. You receive messages from the other side. And I agree with you 100%. It even comes in, it's a different channel. Like it's like a totally different channel you tune into on a radio. Exactly. Um, It feels different. You're looking at a completely different dimension when you work. Mm -hmm. And a lot of students, they say, how do we know the difference? After a while, Colette, you know know. there's a feeling to it. It's totally different. Two years into reading the cards, doing readings on the weekends or, or evenings, whenever, and I did it, spirit, people started on the other side, started showing up. And that's what happened. And I, I always ask my students, what do you think happened? Think about it. Two years, I'm reading, I'm tuning, I'm tuning, my, yeah. my art, bigger, bigger. Those on the, they say in mediumship, you raise your energy, those on the other side lower theirs. So the potential was there, but my vibe wasn't high enough to connect so two years, and so once again, everyone, for Colette, I said, all right, so wait a minute. Why is this happening? Why is uh-huh. this happening? The very first reading was a woman I was reading mm-hmm. for. She came to see me about her artwork, where she's going with school, what she wants to do, and that was great. And then all of a sudden, in my mind's eye, I saw a, an elderly woman right beside her. 
And I'm looking at her and I'm looking at my client. I'm looking at the old woman. Now remember, it's not like the movies, everyone, all right? Right, yeah, you don't see see them. (laughs) Right, it's kind of subjective. And I said, Mari, there's an elderly woman right beside you. Her clothes don't match at all. Don't ask me why I noticed that. And she's showing me a diamond, you know, just pointing to a diamond. So at that point, Mari, my client, she screamed and got up. (laughs) I screamed because she was screaming. She (laughs) hugged me and I hugged her. And I said, Mari, what was that? Because Colette, it was different. She said, John, my great aunt Ada, who helped raise me, was colorblind. That's why her clothes never matched. And the diamond I'm wearing right now, I inherited from her. So that was the very first time. And I said, oh, great. So people on the other side are showing up and it kept happening. And once again, Colette, I didn't just call myself a medium. Why is this happening to me? Uh How, why is Uncle Joe or people's mom and dad or kids showing up in their reading? That's when synchronistic events led me to England to study for over two and a half years in England. Uh, evidential mediumship. It was very synchronistic how everything, once I accident, I got my life together, everything lined up and I just followed the signs. I think about that too, you know, um, I have, first of all, I had no idea that you were going to work in an aromatherapy shop because that's where I started when I, and I actually had the same experience with somebody screaming and then I screamed. Right. And even until I met you, which was years, it took me 20 years before I would even say the word medium because I was mm-hmm. still like, I don't understand how this is working. Had I gone and gotten trained, had I gone like you do, over to England, I would have had a different story to tell. But because I was like, how is this possible? I Maybe I'm just really good at perceiving this information and I just know. So I was always like curious about that, you know, because I know there's lots of different types of mediums, but, you know, that you went and trained, the mechanics became, and therefore you could relax into it more. Well, yeah. And I wanted to know, remember, I'm from, I'm a a kid from the streets and I'm not going to read someone and say, oh, your grandmother's here and there's a butterfly on her head. You know, it's, (laughs) it's, I, it's, I wanted evidence. I wanted to make sure because I'm tough with that. Right. So, um, and you said, you asked me, what, did I have a problem calling myself psychic? Not really, but I was careful of skeptics. You know, because yeah. the jokes and, oh, yeah, you're, you're a psychic. What's my name? Or uh, people still Ugh. give me their palm when they, you I know. I know, they, they still ask me for lottery numbers. Yeah, so I, did, I had no problem <laughs> calling myself a psychic. But think about it, Colette. Where was I? Los Angeles, California. Right. Where, it was, where the woo-woo was still happening even back then. So, yeah. Yeah, but I had no problem with it. So I had to let go of the story of my childhood of being called freaking weirdo and just mm-hmm. did it. And that's maybe that's why I trained, because I wanted to be good at what I do, at what, you know, I wanted to be good at it. What are some of the most outrageous stories from over the years when you've, because I know you have tons because I know a lot of them, but I'd love you to share some of them with the audience because I think people would find it fascinating. Mm. Well, I never read, a lot of people think that I do this 24-7. When you're trained to do this, you, you, you shut it off. You have off. to turn off, yeah. You shut it off. There, there were incidences when I was living in England, and I, uh, there was a friend of Simon's, uh, the guy I was living with. He had a colleague, and I just turned to her, and I said, did your mother have a throat issue with polyps on her larynx? And she was like, yes. So things like that would happen, but I don't do that. I teach my students, don't walk up right. to everybody no, and do that. No, 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 I agree. Yeah. Boundaries are crucial. Right, because Colette, you shut down too. And if you're, uh, yeah. if you're doing it 24-7, if, for the people who say, or the students, I can't shut it off, or they're coming to me, or I'm getting stuff, you're untrained. You, you should be yeah. able to, in no disrespect, but you should be able to turn it on and turn it off. But there's a lot of touching stories, Colette. Tell me. There was um, the very first one that I wrote in Born Knowing was a a woman came to see me. I was living in LA and I decided to move back east. My mom was getting sick uh, with lung issues and I decided to move back. 
um, not really wanting to move back. And I was in the midst of moving. I get this call from a woman from San Francisco and I'm talking to her. This is when we picked up the phone, Colette, right? Right, you right. Know? Okay. <laughs> so I picked up the phone and she's talking to me and I said, look, I'm about to move in, in three days. And then it happened. I said, you lost a child, didn't you? And I said, listen, if you can get down here tomorrow, I have time. She flew from San Francisco to Los Angeles wow. and she sat with me and um, I started reading for her grandparents started coming in. And then as I'm talking to her, the grandparents, myself doing mediumship, I kept hearing a, a, a sound and it went like this. It was like this tapping noise, but there was a rhythm to it. And I said, excuse me, what is the tapping I'm hearing? She goes, oh my God. Keep going, keep going. And so I'm talking, I'm doing the reading, and I kept hearing it again. And I went, okay, excuse me, what is the tapping, please? We started linking, I started linking with her daughter. Her daughter, Jennifer, when she was five years old, went in for a surgery, and it went wrong, and she passed away. But before she passed away, she, remember, uh, for the older audience, uh, remember Clogs? With the, yes, wo- remember the clogs? clogs, yes, clogs, uh-huh. not not the rubber ones, but literally right. wooden clogs wooden that clogs. The, the girls used to wear. So she had a pair uh, that were too big for her, and they were called her clickety clack shoes. So oh. when Melinda, the mother, went to go visit her sister, who worked at a hospital, also linoleum floors, Jennifer would wear those shoes, and what would she do? Along the floor, skip along the floor, and they buried her in those shoes, Colette. Oh my God. They buried her in those click clack shoes. And then the reading ended with, I said, did you send up a balloon? I said, one balloon to her. And she says, oh my God. She says every year on her anniversary, her pictures on the balloon. This is when you could send up balloons, right? Before right. it was dangerous because yeah. of the ocean. She, they sent up a balloon and all of her kids and friends and family would tie a little note on there to her and then send them up to her. And, and I said, wow, that's special. Mm. So it was that was one of the most special ones. And then- Kind of a sad reading, but still the mother was comforted. So I lived in Venice Beach. So I go to the beach. It's like six o'clock at night. The sun is going down and nobody's at the beach. And I'm sitting there just thinking about leaving L.A., kind of sad, the reading I just had. And what do I see washing ashore? One red balloon. And I said, oh, my God, if I go to that, <laughs> if I go pick up that <laughs> balloon and I see that kid's face on that balloon, I am going to absolutely freaking freak out. So I, and it wasn't, but what are the chances? Right, but still. It was almost like, I looked at it as like a thank you from Jennifer because nobody's on the beach. I just did the reading. I ended with the balloon and one watches ashore where I was sitting. So things like that. And it happens over and over. And and there's a, and just one more quick one. This is very touching. You don't have to be quick. Okay. You don't have to be quick. I love that. In the the Wooniverse, it's in your own time, right? That's right. And we like hearing these stories in the Wooniverse. That's why we're here. (laughs) You know, Colin, you've done this. And as much as we love what we do, there have been times in our life where, can I keep doing this? Yeah. Emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, it, it can be exhausting if you don't monitor or balance the physical and the spiritual. Yeah. I was I was really tired. I was doing it a lot, working my day job, doing it when I can, letting clients dictate when I could see them. I didn't set a schedule. Yeah. There was a woman who came to see me, and it was it's always the people that lost children, Colette, that bring mm. me back to doing this work. Yep. So this woman comes to see me and clairvoyantly in my mind's eye, again, I see an empty wheelchair roll in front of me and I'm looking at it. And I said, you lost a son. I said, he's telling me, look, ma, no more wheels. And she started crying. Yeah. He said, please tell my mom I am running the bases, B-A-S-E-S. And I went, okay. I said, would you understand that? 
He was a handicapped child, physically challenged. He had spina bifida. He was in a wheelchair from the time he was born, right? So he's on a bus and the bus driver hit the gas a little too fast and the kid's body, I don't want to get too graphical, but it's, right, it's right, right, he, right. Yeah. his neck right. was impacted by his head going back yep. and he passed away. Uh, because the the bus driver just went a little too fast when he hit the brake or the gas. Uh, so yeah. when this kid, his whole life, this little boy, he had to be about, I don't know, I think he was like 10 or 11. So remember, no more wheels. He's not in the wheelchair anymore. No and he said, tell him I'm running the bases. Outside his bedroom window across the street was a baseball field. Oh. He would look out that window at the boys playing baseball, knowing he'll never be able to run the bases or get to play. Well, it's emotional, right? Yeah, yeah. The wheelchair comes in and says, no more wheels, ma. Let my mom know I'm running the bases. So is there baseball in heaven? I guess there is because he was running the bases and the kid was free of that body. Very touching. Things like, we've done thousands of readings, Colette, but there's some that stay with our heart, you know, and, that, mm-hmm. and that's one of them. There's so many. So have I had freaky ones? Yes. I'm, you know, it happens all the time. Um, have you had a funny one? A really funny one? That- um, well... How much can I say here on the Wooniverse? You can um, say anything. You can swear well, on the Wooniverse. Well, everyone, now, for the people who are thinking, yes, being a medium and, and, and intuitive, it, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a spiritual aspect, all right? So, yeah, but it can be hilarious, too. It can. I'm going to tell you something that I've really never said publicly or oh, on God. air, all right? So here's one. So this woman comes to see me. Remember, everyone, when they go to the other side, they don't turn into these exalted beings. They're the same people. It, but, yep. you know, if they, if they were a piece of work here, they see what they've done here. But I could tell I was linking with her husband. He had the, most, the biggest sense of humor. And I said, would you want <laughs> Mark will like this too. <laughs> now, I'm getting something in my mind's eye. And it's, I teach people, call it impression versus expression. How am I going right. to say this? So I said, why is he saying one hung low? <laughs> one hung low. And I said... And she started laughing her ass off. And I said, would you understand why she said, now call it, I don't know if you know what that expression is, but she said one hung low. And I said, why is he talking about one hung low? She said, because that's all he had. He had testicle cancer. <laughs> and so that was hysterical. It's like, I said, is he really coming? She said he would say it all the time, John. So as much as you're saying to the wife, you know, he still exists. Yeah, you know, you he like, continues. Yeah, he loves you, but... Uh, don't you think, though, that people won't recognize the other person without the humor? Like, that's what I found. Like, exactly. Like, they come through, was, for me, I get the body, ex-alcoholics, the drug addicts. Exactly. Like you know, with the wild personalities, it'll come through and they'll say stuff that is so outrageous and I have to tell this to the person. That's right. But they were like, that's for sure my dad. That is 100%. He would say that. Even though he also felt like an evolved being. So it was like, I'm going to show you who I was, and this is what I would say, but I also now want to say, this is what I've learned. So here's what I want to impart to you. So, yeah. So when we do mediumship, everyone, you have to realize, bringing through the personality of someone where you're twitching like them, or the other day I did a demonstration, I kept moving my mouth to the side. He said he had a cigarette in the side of his mouth. She goes, no, it was a stick match. When you bring through the personality, it's Mm -hmm. great evidence But I want you to know, if somebody has someone that wasn't really nice to them, their personality was a difficult person. Mm -hmm. If I, somebody, say somebody had a mom that was difficult, that personality is going to come through for them. Because if I said to someone, what a calm, peaceful, gentle soul your mother is, they'd be like, that's not my mother. That's right. They will show, right? right? They'll have to show. But I want you to know everyone, 
than not like that. It's just for identification purposes exactly. only. It's not like right. they went onto the other side and they're still they're still nasty. Exactly. It's like they, but they show you, that's how I've experienced it too. They show you who they are to get the attention of the person to show the evidence. This is who I was. This is my personality. And then you process, exactly. Let me ask you a question, because I think it'd be uh, interesting for a lot of people. So what are some of the common misconceptions that people have around mediumship or, you know, the work that we do? What what are some of the common misconceptions? Well, first of all, too, we don't call the dead. It's not one 800 your dad you know, or uh, <laughs> tell your dad It doesn't work that way. And I've never had someone say, can you get my mother? Now, remember, Colette, on the radio show, we used to do it for speed. Yeah. Like, who do you want to connect with? Sometimes they would get that person or sometimes they, they didn't. We can't call them. Um, another one is it's not a cure for her or to replace bereavement or grief counseling. Right. It's, it Very can help, important. Right. Mm-hmm. It can help a little with it. Um, and another one is I don't know about you, Colette. I see a lot of students here. I've never had an entity attach myself to me or, and I've never seen a haunting. Um, no. And I'm, in my book, Bridging Two Realms, I said, in my experience, because I didn't want right. anyone coming at me, in my experience, I've never seen anybody stuck. Now, people will come at you and say, there are rescue mediums, of course they're stuck, and I've never experienced Right, you that, personally, right? same. But I have had a physical mediumship experience that completely freaked me out on stage at a Hay House event when Brian Weiss was in the audience and he had to explain to me what just happened when somebody actually went into me. Were you choking? Yeah, remember that one when I was How choking? How could I forget it? I'm, of right? course I was watching Colette Behrman read oh, demonstrate. Right? Yes, you had to leave the stage. <laughs> I had to get off the stage, get a puffer. Somebody had to come and give me a puffer. And when I got up there, she then she said, my father was a medium too. He would totally want to upstage you. And that's exactly him. And I was like, I will never have that happen again though. I'll be honest. Like I, I that's a boundary that I have. I'm like, yep. never again will I ever do physical mediumship in my life. Thank you. Yep. So have Have you ever had that physical sensation that became the other person? It does happen with coughing sometimes. Um, You know, you're just like me. We're very demonstrative with our hands and our body. So what happened was is that spirit, that soul got so close to you Right, Please. that oh. you you felt it, and students sometimes people get emotional, or they're like, "I can feel their pain." Ask them to step back; they can yeah. step back too, also. But you know, that was suddenly with you, um, <laughs> and I didn't have any any way to know what to do. I was like, "Oh, get out of here! Get out! 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 out. <laughs> right, exactly. I have an agreement with the other side. With the time that I'm with you, you can use me any way you want, physically, mentally, spiritually. I have been known, uh, one time I started doing an Irish jig on dance, and I said, do you want to tell me why your father's making me do this? Because he taught Irish step dancing. <gasps> so do you see what I mean? So yeah. I will act yeah. it out. I will start acting like that person. So it's, but I, it's I find- more, But isn't it more that way, what you're talking about, more demonstrative, like I'm doing this, does that make sense? As opposed to they're inside you doing this. Right, that's never- Very they never, different. And are they inside or are they just got so close to you, Colette? Yeah. See, think about that. Did they get really that close- where you took on their physical. And it's not like a possession, everyone. Here's, here I'm using my hand like they can see this. There's Colette. <laughs> Imagine like just a, 
another spirit blending with Colette so yeah. close that she is too fe- close. Fe- yes, exactly, too close. But now too you're close. aware of it and it won't happen again. No, I, I learned the hard way. I cut my teeth through experience and then I just was like, finally, I'm just like, okay. And I know what I can turn on and turn off and I know what my boundaries are. Like I am not interested in actually seeing any physical, because I know some mediums see, see, they see the the person who's crossed over. They see the, I'm like, I'm not interested. I can listen. Yeah, you can listen. Yeah, clear audience. How about this? There've been times, everyone, you've got an audience of two, 3,000 people like we had, Carla, with Hay House, right? Or more. Sometimes more. Especially when you work with Sylvia, right? I mean, come on, you know, thousands and thousands of people in that. I mean, uh, and so- we're taught if you're not feeling the, that well, you shouldn't do it. But when you right. got three thousand people and you, you can still to. walk and you can still talk and you can <laughs> I still had have pneumonia med- and did it exactly. <laughs> but the amazing thing is, when you're doing it, all your ailments go yes, away. That's right. And the minute you stop, it's back. You could have laryngitis and then your voice is back. Now, is that spirit influence the energy, or is it endorphins? I think it's a little bit of both. A both. I, uh-huh. I, I had diverticulitis attack in Houston with Sylvia in front of an audience, and I had to go out there, um, but it went away, and then it came back. So I find the work fascinating at the same time, how this all yeah, happens. because it, it really is interesting, because we are asking to be a clear channel, so what we are experiencing is not, like, I lose me, and I actually pray that way, too. I say... God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, change. courage to change the things I can, wisdom to know the difference. Thy will be done through me. That's right. Relieve me of the bondage of self so that I may do thy will. Show me, you know, how to be a clear channel for divine clairvoyance or divine mediumship. So I'll either or. And it would be like, oh yeah, I'm not important here. So yeah, it feels like, oh, you feel completely different. That's why I feel like somebody shoots me up with B12 because I do this twice a month in my membership site. I do 90 minutes of readings like two times a month. And I'm like, oh my God, that's medicine for me. Just yeah. going out there and doing it. Well, they teach us in England, when I was in England, less of me, more of spirit. Yeah, less of less me. Less of me, more of spirit. Yep, just exactly what you said, yep. Yeah. It's getting our own way. We have to put everything aside, everyone. Our emotions, who we are, if we just had a, uh, not a great experience with someone, because it's a life of service. Still. Right, it really yeah. is. Now, do you have any specific rituals that you do pre or post your work? Before I get on stage or before I see a reading? Both. Well, yeah. I was raised Catholic and, you know, you uh, have been doing the serenity prayer. Um, I think that's brilliant. I literally get on my knee, do the crucifix over me. Okay, you know, do, you know, I bless myself. Yeah. And then I say the Our Father. And yeah. mm-hmm. I look at that as I call it in my mediumship training, like the turn on switch, meaning by you saying serenity and less of you, more of spirit in the serenity prayer that you do, I look at it this way. We're letting them know I'm ready for you, okay? I am open. The door is open. You know, you can step forward now. So that is my ritual where I'll try to get calm. I don't have to light an incense or a candle or start chanting Om. It's, we've been doing it long enough to say, I just get on my knee, do the Our Father, and then I get up. And it's weird when I don't do it, it seems like um, it may still it. work. It's just, it is such a ritual 
a spiritual practice that uh, it's something that I'll always do, call it no matter what. It's interesting that you get on one knee. So I find the supplicant prayer, the contemplative supplicant prayer on my knees, like just saying I surrender. That for me is important too, is like before I go out and do, even when I show up for Spirit Jam, whenever, you know, we do an event, like I'm always on my knees that day. In the morning, I'm on my knees saying like, use me, right? So it's use me, use through me, what's the highest good? And then I just trust that it's the highest good. Even if I'm like, I don't, it, I could be wrong, but it's my interpretation as opposed to the actual, usually I say, and I believe, and you tell me if you feel that way too, that sure. the information is always 100% correct. It's just sometimes our interpretation of it. That's not right. Exactamundo, yes. <laughs> yeah, we can misinterpret what we're getting. And can I tell you another story yeah. that people, okay, so the end of Bridging Two Realm, I'm kind of giving it away, um, but there was a time with Brian White um, remember, I'm always fascinated by this work because I always look at it. If something comes through, I don't like say, look what I got. Look what I got. Mm-hmm. It's coming through me. It's coming from them. So I will give them the credit on the other side. There was a time when, um, you know, Bob and Melissa, right? Sure. Okay. So I knew Bob's birthday was coming. This is a number of years ago. And I was about to do an event with Brian Weiss at the, at, in Boston for 1,200 people. It was sold out and it was like a few days away. But I'm driving down the street and I saw the Hallmark store. And in my head, I said, oh, I got to get Bob a birthday card. So as soon as I said that, I heard this in my head, buy a Snoopy. (laughs) Buy a Snoopy. Buy a Snoopy. And I went, now, I didn't say, who are you? (laughs) Why should I buy it? I'm thinking it's a kid in my mind. (laughs) But I've trusted if something comes to me out of the blue that has nothing to do with, call it anything that I'm doing. Right. So I went into the Hallmark store and I said, do you have any Snoopies? You know, and she showed me one that shakes like it was having a uh, seizure. I'm like, no, not those. (laughs) I said, don't you have a little plush Snoopy? Every store has them, right? Right. You know, so uh, especially Hallmark stores. So I took one of those and I put a big red bow on it. I didn't know if this was going to be given away to a child or from a child, but I knew Brian Weiss's thing was happening. So I trusted it. I gave it to my assistant and I said, look, put this behind the podium. Right. If during the afternoon that it comes through in a message, then it'll happen. But I am not going to walk on stage. And go, whose is this? Or say this, can you say to 1,200 people, can anybody relate to the character or the cartoon Peanuts or Snoopy? Well, everybody does. We all- Exactly. <laughs> I have a beagle, my, aunt, my, my mother's Lucy, my dad called me Peanuts. It had to come through the reading. So one of the very last readings that I'm doing, I went to the side, to the right side here, and I said, someone over here, I have a mother who's coming through saying you, who couldn't make the funeral. And I pointed right to the row. Right, because you can't do twelve hundred. Right, 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 right. You have so to I went and I said, "Who here understands? You didn't make it to the mum's funeral. Um, she passed away like this." And a woman raised her hand and she said, "He did," which is her husband. And so the message started coming through from the mother. And in my head, I heard, "This is where the Snoopy goes." So now remember, twelve hundred people. You're taking. You've got to yeah. so trust yes. in your work and in spirit. I walk behind the podium. Now, my assistant put a big red bow on the collar of it, and I put it behind my back, and I said, okay, sir, would you understand? Oh, then his dad came through, right? Right. And then I'm linking with the dad then, and I said, can you tell me why your dad made me buy a Snoopy? And I held it out to the audience, and he was taken back. The wife was taken back, and I said, can you please explain this why? I said, I had to buy it. Your father gets off, okay? (laughs) And he told me that Charles Schultz, 
<gasps> he loved hockey. Now, a lot of people don't know this. You can look it up. If you look where Charles Schultz's office was, he had a hockey rink built outside his office outside. And all the retired hockey players, he would invite to start their own league just to play as older men. His father was on Team Snoopy and Charles Schultz would always say, come join my team, come join my team. So it was Team Snoopy. So what evidence is that, right? So the whole uh-huh. audience is like, oh. and so I was like, I have to play a cool, like, yeah, this is like nothing, but how fast? <laughs> I never fast? play a cool. I'm always just as freaked out as everybody. I was freaked I mean- out. <laughs> come on. I mean, if I ever doubted it, I mean, out of all the people, I bring Snoopy, his father played hockey with Charles Schultz in another state. And you could, everyone could look it up. Charles Stoop hockey rink Schultz right outside hockey. his oh office. Oh my Fascinating, God. fascinating. And how do you doubt that? How does the skeptic yeah. say, well, right. come on. John, that's awesome. We're going to take a little break now. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're here with the world-renowned psychic medium, John Holland. Okay, John, let's get back to our incredible conversation. Tell me a couple of stories because you and I are going to be working on a book called Ghost Whiskers because Mm -hmm. this is both of our experiences with animals and we're both big animal activists. So tell me about any like amazing reading that you did where the animal has come through. Well, a lot of people don't know this, but let me share something that happened when I watched Colette do this for uh, her, when her mediumship started unfolding. That's the word, unfoldment. Unfolding. Mm-hmm. So she's on stage, and I know it's about me, but I'm going to turn it around because I have to tell about you because <laughs> okay. I was fascinated. <laughs> I love watching people work on stage. It's not competition. There's no. enough dead people for everybody. Everybody, there's enough dead people. Get the training, way. right? So Colette is there, and she says, I have a mouse here with three legs. <laughs> and it was in her hair. And she said, and she said, I have a mouse here. Now Colette, the spirit would come through or the animal lead them to the person. And then Colette would do her, her reading, whether the it was cards or psychic. Yeah. Exactly. So I have a three-legged mouse here. And you're or was it a rat call? I think it was a mouse. Or it was a rat. Right. It was a and rat. You said it would sit on the shoulder and hide in your hair. And the girl raises her hair now. I don't know about you, but in my mind, if I was to get something like that, I'd be like this. Please, somebody raise their hanging hand on that one. <laughs> right, please. Who's going to raise their hand? Sure enough, a woman raises her hand. She had a pet rat that had three legs and would always wind itself in her hair to keep warm or that's where she yep. had it. Right? So, come on. Yeah. I mean, so that animal came through, but I've had... Um, uh, I've had three-legged dogs come through. I've had, I think they do go to the other side. Now, I'm not an animal communicator. No, neither am I. I think we could call it if we just train that, you know. Yeah. We're already connecting. But um, I know I'm doing it at the dog park now for people. I'm connecting with the dog that's alive, talking to them. It's really bizarre. <laughs> and they come in at the same. Do you not notice, too, sometimes that the living animal sounds exactly like the animal who's crossed? So, like, for me... When I've tuned into animals that have crossed over, they they give the litany of what elements they had, when you know which stitches were, you know when they had to get this popped, and their their hip displays their personality and the personality and how stupid their friend the dog was or whatever. Like they would be like, oh my god, that one like opinions and whatever. It was like a person, yeah, but only limited, right? There was a limitation. Yep. But they always came through to point to their guardian, right? Because 
to say, I want to talk, talk to my mom. Yeah. Like the, she needs to talk about what happened when I died or something, right? So it was Absolutely. always really interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and there's more than just dogs and cats, everyone. Like there was one time <laughs> um, I looked out at the audience. Do you, do you remember Britney Spears back in the day? She had that boa constrictor around her, Yes. you know, in the, in the, on the album cover. So I went to a woman and, no, it was a, a gentleman. And I said, now a boa constrictor now, all right? So I said, would you understand you had a boa constrictor? Because in my mind, my symbol because right. I didn't have a peripheral reference to a bow constrictor. I saw Britney Spears. And he goes, absolutely. <laughs> that pet lived for a long, long time. And um, a funny time was, is uh, I'm in Massachusetts with uh, Lauren Rainbow, Karen Polino, and a, another healer. And we're doing a show. <laughs> and I'm on stage, and I felt this furry thing in my hand. Right. I didn't see it. I, all I knew, and I'm stroking this thing. I'm like, is this a cat? What is this? <laughs> what is I'm this? stroking something spirit, right? And it's like this long thing. Is it a squirrel? What is this? And it was like crawling up near my neck. It was a ferret, right? Right. And, and the, the woman said, oh, my God. She said her mother had a pet ferret, and the ferret would always sleep with the mother in the bed with the husband. The husband couldn't stand that the ferret was in the bed with the wife and him. <laughs> and But what better to come through was the damn ferret, right? Yeah. So, but uh, everyone who's listening, your animal does go over. They are waiting for you, whether it's yeah. a mouse, a ferret, a dog, an animal, a snake. They all go to the other side. Thank God, right? Because some people think that animals don't have souls. Look into those eyes. You know they do. And let's use that as a great segue to talk about sure. why you moved into teaching about the soul. Because that's really... You know, you wrote a whole book called The Power of the Soul and a lot of your work, although you train mediums and do, you know, mediumship is a practical thing that you do. But, you know, I know that you moved into that study of consciousness and the soul. So let's chat a little bit about that next. Sure. Well, I wrote, believe it or not, I wrote Power of the Soul, Inside Wisdom for an Outside World in 2007, right? Now, look how much... And when I look at the power, power of the soul and you look at your writing, you've done this. And you're like, who wrote this? I know. Right? I totally did that. <laughs> and like, this is, has got to be, I don't want to use the word channeled per se, but inspiration. Um, so there's a lot of stuff now call it with soul, right? It's popular yeah. now, the word, right? So about three and a half years ago, as much as I love this work, um, same thing with you, I believe, Colette, is I love doing mediumship, but something was missing, I needed something more. My soul was yearning. I'll always enjoy doing mediumship, but I I needed something to fill my soul again. And so I didn't have, even though we're psychic, everyone, we're intuitives, I didn't know where to go. I just, um, I was a little lost, to be honest with you. And, you know, people say, call it too, where do you want to go with your mediumship? Well, where do you go with it? More study. Where do you it's go? Like a pl- it's like-, ex- <laughs> a pl- like a plumber. He's a plumber. You know, he right. could, a plumber's a plumber, and I don't mean to compare the two of them, but it's you can only go so far. Um, right. And I'll always train. I mean, there's always new stuff, trance or inspiration, whatever. So I just, sometimes you have to live into the answer. Someone might say, well, why don't you call Ed? She could give you some guidance. Mm-hmm. I needed to find this on my own. There was like, a, not an emptiness, but for about a year and a half, I just, I knew just because something doesn't happen, everyone... They were working on things in right. the background. And that's when I started getting more into power of the soul, your soul purpose, your soul gifts, um, how your soul has a blueprint. And slowly, right. little by little, I went back to power of the soul. And I guess it was time, Colette. That's when I started my soul community. It's based on helping people to honor and to know that they ha- you are a soul that comes with a body, not a body that comes with the soul. The soul. Your soul's been trying to get your attention, Colette. 
you know your soul has been trying to get your attention your whole life doing this work, but no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do no, that. No, I there said were I didn't cl- want to do that for ages. But see and how I don't it really keeps do happening? This. I'm really a singer. Come, right? Don't come back next year. Oh, oh my God. I, I, I had so much resistance. I had such a huge chip on my shoulder about this. That's right. Because call it a major singer with EMI Records and Reed Tracy, the president of Hay House, said to me, um, I, loved, I loved saying these things. They, uh, he says to me, <laughs> we have a singing medium coming in named Colette Baron Reed. And I went, a singing medium? So she sings <laughs> She's the messages? Sing Not a medium who sings, but a singing medium. And I'm, and I'm like, what, I have your father coming through? I mean, you know, I just, <laughs> but he should have told me she's a, she's a recording artist. I didn't have to say, but she's a singing medium. So I walked away like, okay, well, we'll see what that's all about. And here comes you and Mark. So, yeah. Uh-huh. That's hilarious. So let's talk about that soul's blueprint, because I think that everybody's going to want to really get that. Tell me if you agree with me. Um, sure. And I'd love to hear your take on this. So. Mm-hmm. I believe that you can actually see indicators. If you look at a really good astrology chart, for That's example, right. mm-hmm. you get a blueprint. But, you know, and the blueprint is saying in this lifetime, here are some of the evolutionary aspects that you'll be invited to experience, but there's no guarantee that the the highest level of that is going to be what that's part of free will. So, what I question I'd like to impart to you is Given that, you know, we know we all come in with a blueprint, what is the relationship between free will, the ego, and the soul? Yeah. Um, think about it. I believe that you come in with a blueprint going from point A to point B. Now, well, some people, they know people as a kid or a teenager, they're like, you know what, I want to be a electrical engineer at 13. Right. And they go right there. Right? right? Most of us meander off the path, <laughs> mm-hmm. off the path. Now, psychic ability, magic, spirit, it was there. There's the blueprint as a child, right? But I pushed it away. I pushed it away, but it kept coming back. It kept trying, you know, even growing up. Your soul is trying to get your attention all the time. It really, really is. We ignore it, we push it away, or we don't even know it's happening. I kept getting these signs about going back to intuitive work or studying more of this, but mm-hmm. I was too busy in LA in the material ego world, right. you know, about where I was living and then partying and, you know, going out here until I had that wake up call, which put me back on the track. And people will blame other people, Colette, right? right? Mm-hmm. By saying, if it wasn't for them, I'd be doing this. No, everyone. 100%. Exactly, Colette. You have the choice. Like right now, my work is changing. I'm getting into energy. I want to do energy healing more on animals. Um, I'm studying the animal system of the body where their energy centers are. Is there. It, so I didn't see somebody do it and then go for it. Right. It's coming to me or it's actually right. it's emerging from me, Colette. You know what I mean? Yes, it's emerging yes. from me. So I'm following the blueprint of doing that. It, it's, it's my choice I could easily say, I have to do readings, I've got to do this webinar, I've got the community, i got to do worksheets. That's me saying, I'm too busy. If yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. You, you have to, you, you ha- it's up to you. So try not to blame uh, somebody else, everyone. It's your free will, it's your choice if you're going to go back on that path. Some people never get back to a collect and then they'll do it all over again when they come back, I feel. 
Okay, so this is really interesting. So let's now go into something broader. So we talk about the individual soul blueprint. Do you also believe that there is a cultural blueprint? Because everything is evolving and in motion, right? Say, for example, like my great-great-grandmother, great I think it's great, was from Mongolia. So that was like she came from Western Mongolia to Serbia, of all things. Like my family were horse traders, therefore have that ancestry. But I don't think she would have free, had a free will choice about that. She was a teenager. She was kind of traded, I think. Right. Then I have my grandfather who was killed in the Holocaust. So there's, it's like that was not a free will choice, right? So do you think that we become subject to the greater blueprint, and that's part of our destiny? Yes. And I think not just society, I think uh, I think other people's blueprints can interfere with yours, overlap right. yours. You see what I mean? So whether it's yeah. a person or a country. Yeah, so that gentleman who had, um, I mean, your grandfather with the, in the Holocaust, um, mm-hmm. that's, you know, and it's. I love how you said, do you think there's a uh, soul in a group or the country? And there is. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I really think that now people will say, but didn't the soul know that? Didn't it choice? Right. We, we can only teach I, until you go over there yourself. You're not going to, we don't know we don't all know. the answers, call it. We don't, mm-hmm. but it does make sense. And I really believe that other people can knock you off your blueprint and it's up to you to get, you know, back on it. But I do believe that the war and the Holocaust interfere with many people, call it. So it wasn't a free will. I mean, did he, was right? he born and said, yeah. you know what, I want to go and be in the Holocaust and <laughs> right. experience. No, I mean, yeah, that's I don't that's know. Totally... And the same thing with 9-11, call it. People say, yeah. so that soul chose to be in that building at the time. And, I, and another mm-hmm. medium said, James said this once, he said, you have to realize those people that passed in 9-11 took a lot of pain out of the world with them. They made the sacrifice. And, and you got to go by what you feel in your heart and your soul feels right. And that kind of resonated a little, Colette, you know? Yeah, because right now, I think with the world being in so much turmoil, I Oof. think we the answers Oof. that we're seeking is like, well, like I know somebody said, well, everything happens for a reason. I said, well, no, everything mm. happens for meaning. It's our job to discover the meaning. Everything happens for meaning. Uh, I don't believe that certain things were meant to be. Exactly. I think they were. We were imposed upon, and that's right. and then we have to find our way back to healing. And I think that's more the conversation people are having right now. Right, the saying "everything happens for a reason." I love that saying, and I hate that saying. Right. Because how am I going to tell a mother that lost two kids at yeah. once in an accident? That's supposed to happen. They made the choice, and um, they. I, I don't know why something's happened. And sometimes to call it a rock is a rock. Sometimes things suck. All right. And right. that happened yeah. to people with the greatest respect to everyone. Um, sometimes a rock is a rock, you know, yep. and stop trying to make a, a lot of people try to put a metaphysical reasoning for something that, you know, stuff happens sometimes call it. Right. And I, yeah. And I think the concept of reason is when we like the soul, it doesn't operate the same way as the mind. It doesn't operate right. with the need for logic. I don't think spirit is interested in logic. Like in general, the consciousness of spirit, it's, it's not moral, right? right? And I think the more, if somebody has more of a strength, which is negative or whatever, and it's that's the strongest energy, that's mm-hmm. the energy. That's right. what manifests, you know, where you put your attention to. I think that's another concept too that, you know, when people say, well, how do we control our reality? And you can't control it. You can align, because everything is possible, you can align yourself with the experience that you want, but you can't erase what's in front of you. Like like there's a great, we've talked about this uh, on another 
show, we talked about the Stockdale paradox, you know, the idea that you have to still feel deep faith and hope in the potential of the optimism that relates not to anything specific. It's just faith that things will change as well as realistically looking at whatever the brutality is in front of you. So both can coexist. I yeah. believe in God. I believe in the best in humanity. I believe That's that right. we can overcome anything, but right now things suck. Right. And there's no reason for certain things. We have to yeah. then discover our way out. So I think that's that kind of curveball that we throw into the there is no certainty. That that's that's part of how we just have to show up and see what happens next. And yeah, and with everything that's going on too, it's a lot of people when the pandemic started, some people I mean, I freaked. Uh, a lot of people coming to me, can you help us? Can you come online? And I, I for three weeks, I couldn't yep. until I heard somebody say on a newscast, a therapist said to the reporter, um, the reporter said, is there anything you can do right now to get any advice you can help because we're in unprecedented times? How many times yep. do we hear that? Um, she yep. said, we're experiencing something that we're not used to. All you can do is know what you can control and what you can't control. Right. When I say that, I control how I take care of myself, what yep. I get up, the people that I allowed boundaries around me with yep. the subject of this. And I can't control what's on the news right now. And I, you know, there are some things you can control and there's some you can't. So, but a lot of people, it changed a lot of people. A yeah. lot of people's stuff mm -hmm, uh, came up mm -hmm. in their face and they had to work on yep. it. Yeah. Working with the soul, what are some of the protocols that you might have or teachings that you feel would be really helpful for people right now, given that we all have a soul and this really the soul is our primary self, would you agree? Exactly. You are a soul that comes with the body, not a body that comes with the soul. And I tell, I tell my uh, members too, I am soul. I am soul. Mm -hmm. And if you say that when you're frustrated or you're, you're, you're going a little crazy, or <laughs> I always say, I am soul. It really, really does help to get centered. And I really believe that, um, Colette, a lot of us right now, remember when we were still working, Colette, during all this too, we kind of felt guilty. Mm -hmm. If there was a guilt of like working still or charging or, or having people come in and some people right now, some people might be extremely happy, right? Mm -hmm. And you, you feel kind of guilty because you have the, you got the stuff uh, that's happening in Russia and Ukraine, you got the pandemic. It's okay to feel good. It's okay to feel it's happy. So, yeah, uh, it's okay to feel it's happy. It's the natural state of the soul, everyone, all right? Do what you can. This is like a lot of Gabby's work too though. Do what you can to feel good right now. I don't care what it is, all right? Being with yes. your animals, going out in nature. And if you feel good, the person beside you is going to feel good. And then if they yeah, feel Yeah, it's because it's contagious. It's a ripple effect right now also, right? So know that uh, it's okay to feel good. And you have to remember that every one of us is born with, uh, it's like a little seed in our soul, right? It's going to keep growing. And if that's your gift, talent, and ability, do what turns you on, what makes you passionate. What are you doing when time flies? What books are right. you reading? And like Colette, you're one of the, she's one of the most, I say this all the time, <laughs> she's one of the most well-read of esoteric subjects. She's, she reads three in a week or something. And not she goes, anymore. did you read? I did. Oh my God. But yeah. <laughs> but no, you're so versed, yeah, Colette. I, you're not just an oracle or a site. You are, you are a spiritual teacher with so much philosophy and you, you, you can just spit it out. But if everyone's going through something right now too, though, is you have to pull back every once in a while and yes. know your boundaries of who's, who's around you um, and be kind. Kind and compassion. And I also want to go back because I, it's, I think what you said is so important about not feeling guilty for right. 
doing well or feeling good because it's transient anyway. That's right. And I know it's almost like survivor's guilt. Yes. Right? Like I know my mom had that after World War yeah. II, right? It's like that whole idea of I lived, they didn't. And so you will find that kind of sense of confusing and conflicting feelings like, uh, should I be doing well? Should I be doing? But, you know, those of us, for example, are in spiritual service. Like we have to have our ability to serve is dependent on us, you know, having enough sleep, finding joy in things, being able to find compassion for self and others. It's not all about, oh, you know, the world has gone to and I better only look at the bad things and not talk about the good, but there's got to be something to hope for. We have to find our way back to hope, right? And I think it's important. Well, anytime too, um, a lot of things have happened to people and they're like, well, this happened to me and this happened to me. Are you a victim, the student or the master? Right. Exactly. So right now with everything that's happening, okay, how is this what am I learning from this? How, what kind, what am I learning from different people as opposed to look what always happens to me. Some people wake up as a victim also, but if you're a student, I think even the worst breakup you had in your life or relationship can be the best spiritual catalyst for you. And the master is someone who knows you can look at it and say, all right, this is happening again. I'm not going to fall back into that right. mode again. So, yeah. So, I, I think it's And even uh, if you do, you get out faster. I think that's, that's what I'm part saying. of what you teach, too. So, listen, let's pull a card and see what spirit wants us to talk about. If there's anything that we might have missed, this has been Which a Which one of talk. your 50 decks is that? No, 14, 15, 14. <laughs> three more coming. And uh, I'm very excited about my next one. That's oh, speaking to- of that, wait, 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 wait. What, what, what? So, we're, we're, we're in England. I just did a sacred tour with 30 people, which was amazing from Glastonbury to Cornwall to Tintagel to to the Chalice Well, everything, St. Michael's Mount. And the people that took us as sacred tours, they were great. The history, they knew the esoteric things. They were guides. They talk about the male and female, the feminine. Uh, We went to tombs. Every place we went, she pulled a card. And what was the deck she pulled it from? I don't know. Wisdom of Avalon. Oh my God! That's yep, so and I'm amazing. and I'm looking at the deck, and I'm like, "Yep, I'm not surprised." <laughs> oh, that's so we pulled great. the Colette Baron Reed Wisdom of Avalon card. One of your first decks, Colette, right? It was my first deck, oh, and it was yeah, and it was the first deck that I had made years before. That I yeah, it was the blueprint that began all my decks. Thank you for bringing that up. Oh, We're going to use the Shaman's Dream. Oh, love um, it. This is the deck that I did with the with latest Alberto deck with Alberto Valaldo, and it's based on the the shaman archetype. It's got nothing to do with cultural shamanism. It's it's the archetype of the shaman that Jung talked about, about right. us all being initiated into the underworld, and we're there to look in the shadows to bring back a gift to our communities. Wow. So let's ask Spirit what, what Spirit want us to cover as our last subject. Sure. Ooh. Gathering around the power of community. All right. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about your community. Yeah. Let's talk about why you put that together. I know why I put the Oracle Circle membership together. I want to hear about yours. Because it gave me the opportunity to teach more of what I studied about the soul. And funny enough, Colette, when it was ready to go, it was in March of 2020. Oh, wow. Just when the pandemic hit. And so, so everybody came. So we waited just a few more. We just waited a little after that, but it was there. It came at the right time, at the right place. And it started off with the Soul Series. Uh, it was 12 lessons recorded on the soul, the aspects of the soul, the gifts of the yep. soul, the soul purpose. And people would go through it month for month. I did it as a program, not knowing, because the community and membership, it's a lot of work. 
but you have to love it. You have to love it. I love and it. Because we're teaching the subject and it's not about me. I, there's one lesson on mediumship and every other month I will do like you call it, I will do. And you do it twice a month. I do twice it every month. other month and I have special guests on um, or I do a coaching call. So it's all about the soul, make, bringing the soul awareness, your purpose. Um, your And sometimes call it too, where... You know what this is like. You talked about this too. You know, sometimes when you're doing spiritual work, sometimes you're going to touch on some some of those areas that yep. you push away. Oh my God, I don't want to deal with that. And it has to come up to be healed. So there is yeah. some dark night of the soul stuff. So sure. in the community, we talk together. You can see all the faces. There's a sense of community in there, not just the private Facebook page. No, no, I also. get it. But people have a place to go where like-minded people can come together, where it's okay to talk about this. And I get to teach them um, all about the soul. And I find it fascinating. So it's evolving, Colette. It's kind of yeah. telling me where I want to go. I you know, same. With this, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because when I first got clean and sober, which is 36 and a half years ago, I did not want to join anything. So I joined a 12-step program. It was the only thing that saved my life. Sure. So I learned for me that we need other people That's right. in order to heal. We need the commu- the sense of community because we do this as a we, not an I. That's so right. So I've always believed in the power of community. And it was, like I said, it wasn't something I ever wanted to do, but it saved my life. So I knew that, especially through the pandemic, a community is so, so important. But also, what is the nature of that community? So one of the things that I learned in the 12-step program is that like half my friends didn't even know what I did for a living. Like we came with a common purpose, which that common purpose, like in my community, we're a spiritual recharging station. We come, like we come in there to heal, to love, to laugh, to play, to connect with spirit, you know, to to recalibrate, you know, re-energize and find our map find our navigation to our life's purpose, right? So that I know very clearly in the recovery programs, it was all about recovery. It didn't matter what we did. So we could have these incredibly diverse audiences. Like in our cases, both yours and mine, our communities are filled with diversity. And and because, because... we're there for one thing. It's we're not there for everything, right? So right. that's that's what I love about your yeah, community. Yeah, and it's not about me or Colette. It's about the community, the group, and you, you're starting to get to know the faces, Colette, too. And then yeah, you got the a lot of people. Yeah, the same ones. Too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It is it is amazing. And I know you must have gotten uh testimonies like this. This came at the right time. This yep. saved my life. You don't know what this means to me. So it is good feedback, but it's a chance where you can come together in a community of people yeah. uh you know who would not normally mix. Exactly. They would not normally mix, right? These That's are not right. people you would not necessarily want to go make friends with everybody because you come from different walks of life, different everything. But the one thing you have in common is something that, you know, that yeah. we bring them together with. John, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, love you it. can all find information about John Holland. You can go to johnholland.com, of course. That's easy for more information about mm-hmm. John and all of his offerings. Uh, find him at johnholland.com. You can also click on the show notes link in the description and be whisked to a page just dedicated to this very episode just for John with links to John's website, his phenomenal books, and all the things that he has created, the psychic tarot, which is a fantastic, fantastic deck. Still a huge classic. It still sells all over the world. It's- and the, I mean, they just improved the app right. too, right? Just oh like, my God, you know, yes, right. Yeah. We, we're back on the apps again, you and I, which will be great. Anyway, thank you so much, John, for your time, for your love. We love you. Thank you for your work, Colette, in the Wooniverse. I love you. Thank you so much. 
What a great conversation with John Holland, psychic medium John Holland. So what did we learn today about life in general? Well, you know, when I think about the card we pulled, which was called Gathering Around from the Shaman's Dream Oracle, which talks about the power of community. What I didn't say when John and I were talking about that card was welcoming in the community of those that have crossed over, that they are there trying to help us all the time. They want us to heal. They want us to forgive. They want the best for us. They have learned lessons and they have so much wisdom to impart to us. So we have to remember it's not just the community of people that are alive, but we also have to remember to include the community of spirit that love us so much. Thank you for listening to our special mini-series, I Talk to Dead People on Inside the Wooniverse. Until next time, I'm Colette Baron-Reed. Be well. I Talk to Dead People is a production of Wooniversal Network Studios. A special thanks to our recording engineer, Chris Dupuy, executive producer, Connie Deletti, content editor, Julie Fink, and audio post-production by Michael Seifert and David Shaw at Summa Recording. Original theme music written and performed by Michael Seifert. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you are hearing this podcast right now. And you can keep up to date on episode releases, bonus content, and prize giveaways by visiting us at itwpodcast.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and we hope you join us next time for another episode on Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine.